0: Good morning. Good morning, my beloved Orangewood. As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, Chapter 17. We'll be heading there shortly. One of the things that I love most about gathering with you is worship. And again, this morning didn't disappoint it's just awesome to be able to be reminded of a God who is for us, a God who loves us, a God who rescues us. I hope you know that. One of the things we sang about is this. How great is our God? Were you able to sing that? Let me ask you a question. Don't answer this out loud. This is a rhetorical one. Are you really able to sing it? Is God great to you? How do you define his greatness? What do you look to? that makes you know that God really is great? Is he great because of your circumstances? Is he great because he says he's great? What makes God great? Well, this morning's sermon is going to be a little bit uh, unusual, at least unusual for me. It may sound just like every other sermon I've ever preached. But really, this morning, I'm going to try to take on the task of describing God's greatness to you. I'm going to try to take on the task of describing God, who he is, as a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm going to try to do it asking God's Holy Spirit to come speak through a broken sinner like me. So that every single one of us, no matter who you are, no matter where you have been, no matter what your position now is about God's greatness. That because he is great, that he'd come and join us. And every one of our eyes would be able to see the truth of who he is. And as we see the truth of who he is, we would know that God really is great. And listen, he's great because the way he loves. And that's not, not, God doesn't want to reveal himself to us just so we walk out of here with more knowledge. He doesn't want to reveal himself to us just so that we're able to answer certain questions about God. God wants to reveal who he is to us because God, listen, God wants to reveal himself to us so that in his greatness you will be tasting. And in his greatness, you will be loved. And in his greatness, you will be free. And in his greatness, you'll be made alive. In the way he loves us. You see, the proper view of God is so important. Because it will tell us if God is great and how he is great. Because we must see God rightly. For the only way that we can see God rightly is to, to, if we see him rightly, is to know him rightly. And if we see him rightly, and if we know him rightly, we'll be able to, to love him rightly and live for him rightly. So how do we know God? I mean, it's a big subject, isn't it? And how do we know who he is? Well, the church, through church history, they have come up with creeds. And they always point back to the Bible. I mean, this is how God has revealed himself to us, certainly through creation, but specifically through his word. This reveals who he is. And over time, uh, through time, we have creeds that we've gone back to. The Apostle Creed maybe one you grew up with, and it'll tell us a lot about God. As a matter of fact, I want to show you the Apostle's Creed uh, here on the screen, and uh, we'll read what this means, what this is described to us. Would you stand with me? If God is great, let's stand together and let us recite this together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. I got to tell you, that's great stuff. I mean, that's really great stuff that the church has believed in a long time. It will tell you about God, that we believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and his only begotten son. Let me ask you a serious question. Does anybody love him more because we just read that? Did those words cause you to say, wow, that's who God is. Man, I really love him. That's awesome. I mean, that's a wonderful orthodox description of who God is, but nothing can completely capture him. But we got to know who he is and how he loves so that we know how to love him and love others. As a matter of fact, the Westminster Confession of Faith, the doctrinal stance that we as a church stand on also asks questions. What is God and gives us answers and who is this God? Let me show those to you. The Westminster Confession of, of Faith in question four asks the question, what is God? The answer is God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Now, you may want to ask, why are you singing that, Jeff? That's, I had to memorize that. And I had to memorize all the catechisms, and so we did it by uh, songs. And for the only way that I could ever become an ordained PCA pastor was being asked questions like, what is God? I would be able to stand up and say, let me tell you what God is. It's a pretty good definition, isn't it? It's lasted over years. Does that make you love him more? Is there more to know about God? Then the question is this, how many persons are there in this one God? There are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are, one God, the same in substance, equal in power and glory. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Do people have their hearts on fire because of that? Let me tell you something. God is great, and your heart should be on fire. God is great. His love is amazingly eternal, and it affects your life. And the great news is, is that he is so much more than just these words. My beloved son, Caleb, here is 19 today. This is my son, Caleb. Caleb's 19. I am not going to live this down for a long time right now. I have just scarred his 19th birthday. 19 years ago today, God blessed me with this boy. And by me being able to say to you just this, my son, Caleb, is 19 today, I've communicated a lot to you. I've communicated to you that I'm a father. I'm communicated to you that I've had a son. I'm communicated to you that, that God, by His grace, has passed life down to my son, that I should see life, all of life through the lens of a father. I can't change that because that is who I am. God wants to be known first and foremost as a father, all of life. All of looking at God needs to be seen through the lens of God being a loving father for us. I have one point this morning. This one point we're going to look at at a few way, different ways. And let me tell you what it is. Seeing God as loving father through, the, through Jesus, the beloved son, empowered by the Holy Spirit, changes everything. Seeing God. How do you see him? As truly beloved, a loving father, seeing God as a loving father through the beloved son, empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is the way we are to know and see and love God, and it changes everything. The Bible tells us uh, what Jesus is doing right now. Do you know what Jesus is doing right now, according to Scripture? Do you know what the resurrected Savior, Jesus, uh, uh, right now is at the Father's right hand and According to the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 7 specifically, you ready for this? That Jesus lives to intercede for us. The Jesus who who lived for us here on earth, the obedient life, died for us a death that we deserved, uh, paid for our sins, was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit, and who sits on the right hand of God the Father, and now we know our sins are forgiven and we're loved. Right now, at the Father's right hand, He is interceding for us. What does the word interceding mean? Very churchy word. Ready for this? Praying for us. Do you know that right now, according to scripture, Jesus is praying for you? What's he praying for? If if you had the ability to go up into the heavenly courts and slip Jesus a little bit of prayer request right now, what would the prayer request be? Because that's where he is. And no one has access to the father like the son. And he's got his ear and he's, he's speaking to him prayers. If you had the ability to slip him a prayer request, what would it be? The question might be, again, is what is Jesus praying for? How does he pray for us? Well, The beautiful thing about Scripture is it records for us one of Jesus' prayers for us, for you and me. And it will show you what Jesus prays for when he thinks of us, when he prays to the Father. We're going to look at John 17. It's called Jesus' High Priestly Prayer. Jesus interceding as a high priest for us is going to pray for us right before he goes to the cross. This is an incredible scene that what's on Jesus' heart right before he becomes our sin? What would be on yours? What, What is he longing for right before that Roman cross? What's his prayer to the Father? That's what we're going to look at. It might surprise you what Jesus prays for when he prays for you and me. And really what he did pray for is this. He prayed not that we'd answer a catechism question. He prayed not that we'd memorize the Apostles' Creed. He prayed not that we would become religious people. What he prayed for is that we would be drawn in to an eternal love affair. What he prayed for was what God the Father and God the Son have been doing and God the Holy Spirit for all eternity we could be a part of. That this love of God the Father for God the Son and God the Spirit, we could be drawn in. He wanted us to know, to know the Father's love. And because of that, that love will change all things. Let's look to God's word. We're going to pick up in the Gospel of John, John uh, chapter 17, verse 20. And we're going to pick up mid-prayer. Uh, uh, this this prayer um, is most of chapter 17. We're going to read twenty uh, verses 20 through 27. Jesus is praying, he says this, I do not ask for these only. Well, he's praying for the disciples. And he's saying here, I don't ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Did you get that? He is praying for those who will believe in Jesus through the word of God. And who is that? That's me. And if by God's grace you know Jesus, that's you. I mean, here we have in Scripture a prayer that Jesus before the cross is saying, I'm praying this for you who are going to believe in me. And he says this, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I've given to them. That they, that, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love me, even as I have loved you have loved me, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me. Why? Listen to this. Because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know you that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name and will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Let us pray. Father, it's it's really hard to follow your son's prayer. But God, I thank you that you have given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit this prayer for us that reveals to us your heart, your heart for us, In Christ Jesus, that that God, you you don't long for for slaves that worship you. you. You don't long for religious people who know something about you. You long for a family. You long for us to know that you love us. You long for us to have the love that you, Father, have for your Son in us so that the world will know who you are and how you love. It's so true that it's so important that we see you rightly because if we can see you rightly, we can know you rightly and love you rightly. So, God, give us ears to hear. Hear your voice. Father, give us minds to understand your love and your word and, and this prayer that Jesus has for us. Oh God, I love the fact that you don't want to just fill our minds with stuff about God. You want to fill our hearts and our soul with the love of God. So come and do that which only you could do. If there's a heart that is not in love with you right now, God, come and rescue it. And for those of us whose hearts have grown cold, that we might be able to mumble the right words of a creed or a statement, but our hearts are cold, come and show us Jesus so our hearts can be filled and on fire for you. God, you want us to walk out of here in a manner worthy of your name, but not in any other way other than walking out of here in love, in love with you. So come and remind us of your love. The things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things quickly fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are true the things that contain the good news, news of Jesus. Use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Incredible prayer. I mean, the prayer that he has for us, the, 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 the prayer atop of Jesus' prayer list right before he dies for you and for me is that we would be drawn into the vortex of God's love, that we would be pulled in to God's love so that we may know it as well. You see, seeing God as loving father through Jesus, the beloved son, really does, empowered by the Holy Spirit, change everything. And It begins with this. Seeing God as loving father. Do you see him that way? Let me hit quick pause. I know that father is a a difficult term for some of you. When I say that we need to see God as loving father, you did not have an earthly father who was loving. Some of you bear the scars of a, a, a sinful father. Some of you bear the the, the depth and the brokenness in your heart of an absent father. Some of you have been wounded deeply by father, and it's shaped your life. And even hearing God being described as loving father is hard for you to swallow. And I truly am sorry for that experience, if that's yours. You see, God wants to be known first and foremost as father. And he's a good father, as loving father. Because why? Why? Before, This is so important for us. Before God created anything. Before God ruled over anything. Before God did anything that we can see and know. He was a loving Father. In this prayer, it says in John 17, Jesus says, You have loved me before the world began. And so that we have to realize that God was in this relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this loving relationship before he created anything. He wants to be known as Father, first in priority and first in sequence. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Father becomes before maker. Father becomes before ruler. He wants to be known as loving Father. And if we see him as a loving Father, it will explain why he did all that he did. One of the things I love is sharing what I love. Is that true with you? And the things I love, I can't contain. I mean, it's not enough that I love them. You have to love them too. And one of the worst things you could do is go to one of my favorite restaurants because forget a menu, forget ordering. I mean, forget saying what you want. It doesn't matter what you want. You're having what I want and you're, you're gonna love what I love. And, and I'm not gonna like you saying you don't like it. You gotta love it. And it's, I know it's something wrong with me. I'm telling you, it's not an endearing thing. But I really love sharing what I love. It's an important thing. And so here we have a picture of God. Now you got to understand this. We have a picture of God in love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what does the Father want to do? He wants to share the love he has for his Son. And because he created all things for Jesus, God created, the Father created all things because he was in love with Jesus. Why? Because he wanted you to love him too. Why? Because he wanted to share with you the eternal love he had for his own son. That's why he created all things. You see, we have to figure out how the world got here. And people who even believe in God sometimes think, well, why did he create all things? Was God lonely? I mean, what happened before creation? God was just so lonely. He just thought, you know, I need people. You don't want to know that, God. If there is a God who is lonely and he had to create so that he needed something, that is not an all-sufficient God. That is not the God we have. That's not the God we know and that's not the God we love. You and I need to know before he created all things, God was perfectly content being God. God was sufficient in all things. God didn't create because he was lonely. Nor did God create because he wanted you to be a slave. He didn't create because he wanted you to be subservient to him and that he could rule over you and show his godness over your life and treat you like an ant. Why did God create all things? Because he was ridiculously in love with his son and it spilled forth and he had to create. Scripture says that the world was created by Jesus, for Jesus, through Jesus. And the world was created It's like a trophy case of God's love saying, come love him too. You see, if we see your father as a loving father, then we understand why he created all things. And we even understand why he recreates all things. He says, I'm going to make all things new. I'm not going to settle with a world that rebels against me. I'm not going to settle with those of you who say, I I don't love Jesus. For all that are mine, I'm going to rescue them. They're going to know this love. Colossians 1, again, uh, 19 and 20 says that in Christ Jesus, he's reconciling all things to himself. That God in Christ Jesus is making all things new. This is a loving father. All because of the way he loves his son. God governs all things by the way he loves his son. He rules through his son. The whole point of this is you can't look anywhere and not see a loving father. That's why he created. That's why he recreates. And that's why he rules the way he does. So that we too will know and love Jesus. Seeing God as loving father. Secondly, Through Jesus, the beloved Son. Through Jesus, the beloved Son. Jesus is the delight of his Father. Jesus is the Father's beloved. Sometimes we think that, God, can't you love me apart from Jesus? No. I mean, sometimes we live in a a world that says, I don't really need Jesus to experience God's love. That is absolutely not true. I mean, the only way that we could ever know and taste and experience the Father's love is because it's been poured out upon the Son. He is the object of the Father's affection. He is absolutely and alone the beloved of the Father, the only begotten Son. And the only way you and I could ever know the Father's love is to know the beloved Son. You see, He's the source of the Father's affection. That's why He says, I'm the way. I'm the truth, I'm the life. There's no other way to the Father, but he's saying this, there's no other way to the Father's heart except through me. In the Old Testament, we're told about a guy named Aaron, and Aaron was a high priest, and Aaron stood before God, uh, and he represented the people, and he made atonement for their sins, and he represented God to the people and the people to God, and he was called a high priest. And really, this is Jesus' ultimate role. He just reflected in who Jesus was. And in the Old Testament it says that they set him apart. They anointed him with oil. And it goes into some detail of what they did to Aaron. They took this anointing oil and they said they poured it over his head and it ran down into his beard. And it says in Scripture that it ran all over his body. And you may want to say, well, why do we need to know that kind of detail? Because there's an amazing picture that God is saying, this is what's going to happen in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the beloved head of the church. And it's in Jesus is this fountain of God's love. And I'm I'm going to pour out upon Jesus my lavish love upon Him. And it's going to run down His head and it's going to run to His body. And who's the body? It's you and me. It's the church. You see, the only way we'll ever know the Father's love if we know the beloved Son, He is the delight of the Father. He is the source of the Father. He is the fountainhead of all of His affections. And He's the only access. And God is saying, I want to love you through Christ Jesus. And here's what the really good news is. He says, I'm not going to love you because you do good. <laughs> That's not it. And I'm not going to love you because you're religious. <laughs> That's not it. And I'm not going to love you really well on your good days and not so well on your bad days. That's not it. He says, I want to love you through the perfect beloved son. So when I love you, I will love you eternally. I will love you perfectly. I will never stop loving you. Why? Because I can never stop loving my son. That's why it's so important The scripture says that it's in Christ we've been predestined. It's in Christ that we live. In Christ we move and live and have our very being. Our life comes in Christ Jesus. Why? Because that's the source of the Father's love that's been poured out upon us. Jesus, do you know him? I mean, the, the bottom line according to Scripture is this. You'll never know God as loving Father unless you know Jesus His beloved Son. Do you know it? Now, we also need the third part of the Trinity there. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, changes all things. We see that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they're, they're present in, in Genesis 1 and 2 to create all things. They're, they're all present in our recreation. And the Holy Spirit is like, is, is a part of God. It's equal of God in substance and glory. It's a separate person. I know, you know, you get this Trinity thing and man, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What is this Holy Spirit? According to Scripture, it's the conduit to the Father's love through the, work of the Holy, through the work of the Son. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is like the drinking fountain. It's like that which has been placed into our hearts and our lips that lets us know and experience God's love. Romans 5.5 5 says this, Through the Spirit, God's love has been poured into our hearts. The Holy Spirit that comes and and gives us life and the ability to see Jesus rightly and pours the Father's love and the work of the Son into our hearts. You see, the Holy Spirit rests upon those whom God loves. Does God love you? The sign and seal of God's love is His Holy Spirit upon you. Is it in your life? One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Matthew 3. It's also in Luke 3, John 1. Uh, Mark 1, it's Jesus' baptism. And at Jesus' baptism, you'll see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit clearly uh, portrayed right in that passage. You see Jesus coming out of the waters of baptism, and you hear the Father's love so welling up for His Son, He can't contain it anymore. He says, that's my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And those whom He's well pleased, you see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and resting upon Him. It is so true with us those whom he is well pleased in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and rests on us. But it does more. To those God has forever loved and rescued through Christ Jesus, for those he gives the Holy Spirit that enables us to call out Abba, Father. In two places in the New Testament, in Romans 8 and Galatians 4, the Holy Spirit is described to giving us a spirit of adoption, that the Holy Spirit brings us into the family that the Holy Spirit allows sinners like us, broken folks like us, to be able to cry out to the holy God of the universe, Abba, Father, we can do it now. Have access to God now through the power of the Holy Spirit. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, if you've been washed in the blood of Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the right, the privilege, the duty to be able to see God as loving Father and cry out to him and say, Daddy, it's my daddy. Abba, Father, the Holy Spirit not only rests on those who the Father loves in Christ, enables those uh, the Father loves in Christ, but he empowers those the Father loves in Christ. He sends us out. He sends us out to to show his love. You know what's incredible about this passage? Jesus' prayer really reveals two things. He says, God, I'm gonna pray that they will be drawn in to this love affair of us, that they'll be one. And I pray as they're drawn in, he doesn't say, I want to be more religious. He says as they're drawn in, and they're drawn into this love affair, the world will know that you've sent me. The world will know that I'm your beloved. How will the world know God if we are in love with him? his son in spirit. That's the way he wants us to be drawn in. A few weeks ago, when we were in North Carolina wrapping up sabbatical, um, we, after church, we went to a great little church in Brevard, PCA Church in Brevard, and after church, we went for a hike. Good luck doing that today. Hope you brought water. We went to the Pisgah National Forest, and my son-in-law got us on some really cool trails, went some really high places, and, and then we got onto the waterfalls and the rock slides. And I'm telling you, it was, it was a blast. The only thing negative about the whole day was someone took a picture of me going down the rock slides. And I just wanted to apologize for everybody around there. I was like, man, I didn't know a whale was down in North Carolina. <laughs> Maybe you want to stop eating chicken wings a little bit. But one of the coolest things going down a rock slide was being put into this like little uh, whirlpool of water. You ever been in one of those things? It was just, I was just like, All I had to do was just sit there and float and just be spun around by this vortex of water, this current, this force, Just, And then after a while, just positioning right, being sent back out and going back down the rocks. You know, what God is doing for us is is I want you to be drawn into this this vortex, this, this whirlpool of love, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want you to know how much I love you. I want you to know the father 's love. I want you to know what Christ Jesus has done for you so that you could leave here knowing that you 're beloved in Christ Jesus, empowered to tell his story every week. I meet with a staff and, and we talk about what i 'm going to preach on, and uh, they help me greatly and say, hey, "Have you thought about this and what about that and As we talked about this passage like i 'm going to talk on the Trinity this week and Again, let me hit quick pause and say, last couple weeks we've been looking at the uh, churches in the book of Revelation. And this week is kind of completely different in the Trinity. I'm telling you the things that I learned most on sabbatical. It was those last two sermons in this one. There's another one next week. They really are the themes of God's what God has done. He opened up to me the beauty of his love, his triune love. So we're sitting in staff and we're trying to, you know, how, how do you talk about, the Trinity, without boring people to tears. How do you do this in a way that really causes people to see how much God loves them? Because we got to see God rightly. And Christy says, you know, listen to this, it reminds me of the time my dad had with me. So my dad had this old sweater, this big old sweater, um, and it had a big zipper in it, and, and he loved to wear this old sweater. And I'll never forget that I would crawl in his lap, and he would zip me into the sweater and he taught me John three sixteen. 16. Christy, I want you to know, for God so loved the world that he would send his only begotten son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, Jesus' high priestly prayer is the sweater. He's saying, God, will you zip them in? Will you zip them in a way that they could be one with me? I want them to know your love. I want them to know, not just so they could say a creed or get through an exam. I want them to know. Zip them in the sweater. How is it with you? Do you know God's a loving father because you know him through his beloved son? Are you a part of this love affair? Are you in the sweater? There's no other way to the Father's love except through the Son. And why does He have us there? So the world will know. What are you doing inside that sweater? Man, I am so loved. (laughs) I am am so loved by the Father. The Son's work was sufficient for me. What are you doing in that sweater? I'm wearing it. It's It's my Savior's righteousness. He's covered me with His blood. He's clothed me. And I'm His. The world will know. Jesus says that the Father sent me because the love that the Father has for me, I'm putting in you. I never want you to forget. As you leave here, you're the aroma of Christ. Jesus wants us to know and remember the Father's love in this meal. He says, don't forget it. The price it cost the Father for us to be there. Don't forget, see the Father's love that he would send me to be broken so that you could be brought in. Prepare your hearts for this meal. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for showing us the Father. Thank you, Father, for loving us enough to sending the Son, because we can never see you rightly unless we see you as the loving Father. In Jesus, we would never see the Father rightly unless you are our beloved Son. We believe you is the beloved Son of the Father in our hearts. And Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit you and the Son have sent to set us free. Father, I pray for anyone who's not zipped into the sweater of the Father's love that even this morning, That God, you would remind them it's not about religion. It's all about relationship. It's all about embracing Jesus, the beloved one, as our Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, enable each soul here to see you rightly, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.